It's Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul On Demand, Season 3, Episode 6. Taking a look back at our recent interview with Toby Keith. When you were, you see me as someone that doesn't get scared by much. Um, when you were diagnosed with cancer, did you get scared? I did. But that's a bridge that you've never crossed before. Cancer is an island in the middle of the ocean. And everybody rides around. They know it's over there, but they go to other islands. They stay away from there. Other people go to those islands. We don't go over there. So hell yeah, I got scared. But I ain't afraid anymore. Hell yeah. So now you're back <laughs> to not being scared of nothing. John Wayne, this son of a bitch. This interview was recorded in December of 2023, just a couple months prior to Toby Keith passing away. It's a way for you to take a walk down memory lane and kind of remember Toby for what he did, what he was, who he was, and just to hear the sound of his voice. You can also relive some of your favorite country music interviews with, uh, we've interviewed Dolly Parton, Reba McIntyre, Chris Young, Kane Brown, Jason Aldean. All of our past interviews at Taste of Country Nights On Demand can be found wherever your favorite podcasts live. Just search for Taste of Country Nights On Demand. The old man and at the People's Choice Awards. Were you nervous at all? No, uh, I was pretty weak that day, though. I was, uh, I got... I don't, I had been doing really, really good. And I went to dinner the night before and decided I would try to have a couple glasses of wine. And the next day I was really down and it, it, I shouldn't have done that. I guess I didn't know, but I got really sick and, and, uh, almost missed rehearsal. So I was really weak that night, but I was on chemo and was battling and, uh, it was, a it was, it was tough, but no, I wasn't nervous. Okay, and uh, the response from everyone was really, like, overwhelming. What what stood out to you about what people had to say seeing you on TV again? Well, the wonderful part of it was when I did it for the movie three or four years ago, The Mule, Eastwood's deal. Uh, everybody at Warner Brothers wanted to – they promoted with a lot of money to for, you know, for the Oscar or Academy Award. And, uh, of course – with the political polarization going on, they're not going to let me and Clint in, but they promoted it anyway. And then, you know, nobody wanted to play it as an old fashioned song and, and it just didn't go. And then Willie cut it on his album, Engelbert Humperdinck, some of the old guys cut it. And then some foreign superstars cut it. And, uh, I thought, well, that's what it was meant to be words to live by. And that's just not the way music scene is today. Those old type songs. And then when I got to the People's Choice, Rat Clark, the uh, producer, said, you know, I want you to, when Blake does Who's Your Daddy, I want you to do this song. And I was like, that's going to be a real bummer coming out of Who's Your Daddy. And he said, I know, but I think it'll be a special moment to show. And man, was he right. That thing exploded. Um, afterward, people were eager to draw conclusions about why it was so emotional for you. Um what do you think about that? And like, what did you want to say about people that were well, assuming? I, I think um, when I wrote it, I was writing it. Clint Eastwood inspired it, but it's like I was writing Clint's 93 still plays golf every day. So when I wrote it, it was like, I didn't know those in the next few years that I was going to have to be looking those words square in the face, you know? And, and, uh, as much as they're words to live by when you're old, they're just as much words to live by when you're battling a 
a fatal uh, type of disease that can be fatal, you know? So it's like, um, you know, I never knew, I never knew I was going to have to do that. So I think with me being out of the public's eye, COVID and fighting cancer two years and really not being uh, out there going, I'm in my 30th year and I'd never taken a year off. So now disappearing three years and then the word hitting the street and everybody knowing that what I was battling and then showing up at this deal and singing that song, it just spotlighted the moment and the song so much that when I hit the stage, it was like everybody was wanting to see what's left, you know, what's he got left. And so I had their attention and then you drop that heavy hitting song on them. And it was just a magical moment, you know? Yeah, it was, man. I mean, I mean, it brought me to tears, man. I got to tell you, man, I was sitting there watching it and I, and I can't even watch it now without crying, brother. I'm just being real, man. That was a good moment, man. I've had, Thousands of people tell me that emails, text messages, videos, FaceTimes, uh, in public, face to face. They're going, I've had so many guys, even all the girls are going to cry, but I've had so many guys go, dude, I ball my eyes out. But yeah. we didn't design it for that. It just things that are really, really special just have to happen for a reason. And, uh, you can't, you can't plan. If you knew how to pull that off every time you'd plan it that way. Yeah. <laughs> There was no planning in it. I just showed up and they said, here's what we want you to play. And I really wasn't even thinking nothing about it going into the uh, rehearsal. And we get done to the rehearsal and I take my ear monitors out and Rat Clark's coming up the stage, bawling, wiping wet tears. I mean, and going, you SOB, you got me. You got me. <laughs> I'm right on this. This is going to be a great moment tonight. And then I started realizing the impact it could have. And I said, this 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 may affect a lot of people right and yeah. of course it did how you feeling today i feel great today um it takes a while you have to be the captain of your own ship and uh doctors in the medical world are just like any other profession you know and you've got yeah. a lot of people on these teams doing it and you just have to dig in and get everybody in the right place get the right people and um pray for the right results. And I, I finally got in, in a spot where I'm really comfortable with it. And, uh, um, everything's trending really well right now. And I'm not going to let this, you know, define my rest of my life. And uh, if I live to be a hundred or, or I don't, I'm going, I'm going to go forward and I, f- I'm feeling good. And I'm off of chemo and I'm rolling. So we're just going business as usual going forward uh they got my video turned off i don't know if i, I trying to turn it on so i just uh, I, I don't know if they're listening i'm trying to turn on but it says the okay oh wait can you try that one more time i clicked the wrong thing there um okay the next question is there we go um is your crystal uh, is your daughter crystal gonna record music again i don't know she's uh she's raising beautiful babies I mean, just she's she's a mother. She loves to sing, but she loves being a mother. And she's so busy with those kids. They are constantly doing something. And when they're asleep, they sleep on top of her. They're just it's like puppies <laughs> around them. Uh, uh, a dog. They just they just uh, worship her. And they're so busy together. She keeps them so busy. 
but she i heard her saying at an event um she still got the pipe she can go and she can write she's just um she's getting the age now where she's just like i did that that was fun you know i had her on the cma stage with me when she was 17 and she's 35 so it's like you know what are you to do so right. it's uh or she's 30 she may be older than that yeah she's 38 but it's a uh, it's been, you know, she had fun. She was out there. She did the radio interviews. She did all the shows. She wrote songs. She's got a song called Daddy Dance With Me. It's one of the most downloaded wedding songs for daddies to dance with their daughter out there. I know yeah. you're not going to believe me, but I played that at our wedding. I swear to God. I swear to God we played that at our wedding. You know, she she wrote that and had it ready to go. And uh, the first dance is the groom and the bride, and they danced to uh, Elton John ballad. And then it came Daddy Dance, and all my friends are there. We're in Cabo, beautiful wedding. And I walk out to dance with her, and, and they go, here's your surprise. And she dropped it on me. And I was sitting there crying. I was like, this is terrible. You have just busted me out. Cause it's such a powerful song. And uh, there's still times when I'll hear it, and uh, it, it it tears me up. But she, she nailed it. And... Uh, and it, she's still going. She can still perform. She'll get up and jam with people. But I don't think she's it. She probably won't ever, till her kids are grown, maybe not. She she won't make it, take another run at it. She may write an album at some point. Okay. What are these Vegas uh, shows going to look like? Are they, it sounds like it's going to be a party. What can fans expect? Uh, we're going to come blazing. You know, I don't usually need a rehearsal, but being off COVID and cancer, I've we're going to go to Nashville and do a rehearsal. Be first rehearsal I've done in decades, but um, it, it'll be like riding a bike. I've, we counted them up one day. We were bored. And uh, I think I have over 90 charted billboard singles, 31 number one, and 50 something top tens. And we added them all up and I could play a four and a half hour show. <laughs> <laughs> so, Are thank, you, God, thank god i thank god i don't have to but uh, <laughs> i did a couple in july i did a couple i've got a roadhouse here i live in norman oklahoma and i had um i've got an old roadhouse out here in the country it's 97 years old that they were tearing down and i bought it cleaned it up put lights in the trees stage out back and a lot of people show up when the weather's good and uh i snuck in down there one night and did Friday and Saturday unannounced brought my band in. I did two, three hour shows. Well, we don't have two, three hours at Vegas, you know, but I just wanted to go three to see if I was tired and I cruised right through it. It was like riding a bike, you know, first night was a little bit, uh, do you remember all the words? Second night was just like, let's roll. So okay. that rehearsal get me going and then we're going to come stomping into Vegas. Are you making plans for 2024 already? Yeah, it's on the board. I haven't heard anything. Um, all my team got together. The guy, Brian O'Connell, promoted me forever. My manager, my agent, all the powers that be um, have gotten together. And they said, this is a good time to do something really special and rise from the battlefield kind of stuff, you know? And so they've uh, put this thing together and intricately – uh, beat on it for six months and said, Hey, 
and they they know you know they know all the lay of the land and and things have even changed in the last three years as far as they've got a flex ticket now and all kinds of crazy stuff that go on that that they had to teach to me that I didn't know I, I'm I was out there and never missed a year till COVID and uh, and so that they've got a great plan together and we're, we built a new set and we're getting the trucks and buses fired up and uh, we our plans to go forward. Don't let this stuff define our future. Let's go. I saw that uh, you said you're not inspired to write very much uh, new music anymore. Cause you don't think radio will play it. Does that mean you won't cut any more albums? No. Uh, all right. Um, it's just when you get kids and grandkids and, you're, this is my 30th year. You're just not as hungry. You don't have a bottom line to hit. You don't have, um, you know, you got other stuff going on in your world that's way more important. And you've written songs your whole life, and you know the difference between a good idea and a bad idea. I've written so many songs that when I'm writing for myself, that I know I'm only a great idea away from a great song. But it's hard to take an average idea that you might write every day like we used to. You can do it, but it's more difficult to turn that into a... So I always say it's like a guy bow hunting deer in a stand. And you sit there for 20 years waiting on that one you want to hang on the wall. And you, you'll shoot an 8-point or a 10-point. All of a sudden, an 18-point walks by and you hang him on the wall. The next year, you find yourself sitting there and them 10 points are coming by and you're going, hey, buddy, how you doing today? And you let them walk by. You know what I mean? So when you've had five and six week number ones and and you've written Courtesy Red, White, and Blue and Should Have Been a Cowboy and Don't Let the Old Man In, all these things you've wanted to write. And and then you got an idea to write today. If it doesn't stick out like those ideas, you're going, eh, I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, I do. My grandkids are coming by to see me. So it's like you just get so much more in your life. You don't have to hit the bottom line. I don't know if it's, it's probably complacence the wrong word, but it's more, you're not as hungry. You're not yeah. fighting. You're not fighting to feed kids and make rent. I gotcha. Um, you're starting to rack up icon awards, man, with the BMI and the people's choice icon. What do we need to do to get you into the hall of fame? Don't ask me. I don't know how that works. Uh, I didn't, uh, they use the way that you die. Don't they? <laughs> don't you? <laughs> Don't you have to be 85 to get in there? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, I'm in, you know, I'm in five Hall of Fames. I really, above all of them, the uh, two songwriter Hall of Fames and the BMI icon were the three that, I mean, the People's Choice is wonderful. The Oklahoma Hall of Fame is great. And the Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame is great. But, getting in the national songwriters hall of fame and the worldwide songwriters hall of fame. I would have been a songwriter either way. I would, I just happened. They just happened to accept wasn't up to me, up to the fans, but they just happened to accept me as an artist. So I had a vehicle to deliver all those songs through. Um, a lot of people in the hall of fame that never were really artists. And, uh, I happened to be able to just not have to pitch my songs and record them. So, but they didn't know that, you know, I didn't, the one, the one thing I didn't want the CMAs and the music award shows, all that stuff that, that was just a place to show up and get some, uh, 
get promoted and 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 be relevant. Uh, the one, the couple of things I really wanted was to someday stand up there and accept a nomination into the Hall of Fame as a songwriter. Amen. All right, I got one more for you, man. Uh, okay. uh, if you could go back and re-record or change any song from your catalog, which one would it be and why? I can't really say I would change anything or re-record because most of those songs I wrote, 90% of them. And people ask me all the time, what's your, the question I get the most, what's your favorite song you've ever recorded or wrote? They were all like children because I know where I was. They all had their own special place. They were all conceived between these two ears and this melon. And they were, uh, they're all special to me. You know, you, you think about uh, the big monster songs at five or six week number one. Yeah, they were big. But when I wrote them, I worked just as hard on another number one, like Wish I Didn't Know Now. You know, some of those songs, Shouldn't Kiss Me Like This, Is That Blue Moon? Who's That Man? You know, those were songs that um, were number one. They weren't five and six week number ones. You still hear them on the radio, but I know where I was, why they were conceived, and I know how hard I worked on them. So it's, it's really hard to define all that. It's just a great big body of work that I was really blessed um, by the Almighty to be able to, to uh, have those skills. Hey, man, real quick, I'm sorry I lied. One more thing, man. When you were – you see me as someone that doesn't get scared by much. Um, when you were diagnosed with cancer, did you get scared? I did. But that's a bridge that you've never crossed before. Cancer is an island in the middle of the ocean, and everybody rides around. They know it's over there, but they go to other islands. They stay away from there. Other people go to those islands. We don't go over there. And uh, when you finally crash on that island – there's a lot of boats over there. And then you find out that half the world is afflicted with act active cancer. And you go, holy cow, they've been working on this for centuries. And, um, and they haven't got this puzzle put together yet. And, uh, and I just lost an acquaintance. We were playing golf in September of 21 up at the lake house. And my buddy had his college buddy in, and we're all playing golf, having a beer. My buddy goes, this guy never sleeps. And I didn't know him. I didn't know if he'd lost weight or had any. I, he just, it's first time I ever met him. Played golf three days with a guy. He had to go play in a cash tournament at Vegas when he left there. Got back to Oklahoma City, and about two weeks later, Lance called me and said, hey, remember that guy you met up the lake? He goes, he He's got like two weeks to live. He finally went in and got a checkup. Eat up with cancer and sent him home. Lance went and seen him, and he died like 10 days later. So a month later, I get diagnosed. And a month after that, my son's uh, fiance doesn't have a father, and she asked him if I'd walk her down the aisle at my son's wedding. And I'm going, well, if I'm like the last guy, I ain't going to make it. So hell yeah, I got scared. Thank you, man. Thank you but for answering. But I ain't afraid anymore. Hell yeah. So now you're back <laughs> to not being scared of nothing. No. That's John Wayne this John Wayne this son of a bitch. 
Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, one time you told me that uh, Solo Cups never gave you any money for that song, so I quit using them shits. I just want you know, I still don't use them. <laughs> well, they uh, they told me one time, they said, we got an issue. I said, what? I said, we're only selling the red ones. I said, we'll quit making the other colors. <laughs> I love it, man. Hey, thank you very much for taking the time, man. We truly appreciate you. You're welcome, brother. Love Legend. that car seat. Love that baby seat in the back, man. That's that's a yeah. Thanks, man. I just went to my daughter's play. <laughs> yeah. Get you, right, hey, that's what you, that, you drive around town. That that'll get you laid. Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. You have a good All one. Right. All right, see you, buddy. <laughs> all right we're gonna bring in uh billy dukes here to uh, kind of talk about this interview we've already uh had this interview on a podcast but obviously since toby keith passed away we wanted to uh go back and listen to it where are you at right now man what do you think where are you at in your head well it hits a little bit different because i think after that interview i certainly thought he was he was beating cancer. I, 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 I bought into the optimism and I thought that maybe he was on the back end of this disease. Yeah, I did too. And I'm not sure that you know, was the case at I, all. When I was talking to him, I, it was a FaceTime and I was looking at him and he, I mean, obviously didn't look the same as he did in the past, but yeah, he was so optimistic and he was planning on the future and you know, just when I listen back to this interview, it's it's crazy when he talks about uh, his friend who let him know, hey, you remember that guy you met the other day? Yeah, he's got cancer. And then like a few little while later, you know, yeah, that guy died, you know, and Toby was, you know, like, I'm not that's not going to happen. We're going to beat this. And it's just it's crazy to me. I, I'll tell you, there was a couple of people that uh, told me right before I interviewed him that helped set the interview up. They were like, you should, you should take this interview. I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be around. And I, that was the only person that said that. And I took the interview and maybe they knew something I didn't know, but that's crazy. Listening back to it, I tried to sort of listen for like, with a little bit of hindsight's 2020. And I think, you do start to hear like, well, he, he quit chemotherapy, but he was still in treatment. That sort of says something. A lot of times when people kind of give up on chemotherapy and start pursuing some different, I don't want to use the word alternate treatment because that kind of brings about a certain sort of connotation that I don't intend for, but just some different treatments. That's oftentimes sort of a last chance or a last ditch sort of effort yeah and i hear that now and i didn't then uh, yeah, okay i didn't think about that until you just brought that up but i think you're 100 percent right now that i think back i didn't think about it either i just thought maybe he had beaten it you know and yeah i guess maybe he knew something that that we didn't know but you know then again it's like he was talking about playing shows and going on tour and his his team planned out a tour all the way through 2024 and you know with the the new way of getting tickets and everything um but yeah and, and now when you go back uh on the taste of country social media as we posted some uh clips of his final concert and you really wonder 
Like, uh, did he know? You know what I'm saying? Like, and was he hiding it? That because he a guy like he, you know, a guy like him, Toby Keith is. He doesn't really want to seem weak. It seems, you know, it's he wants he wanted everybody to know that he's the fighter all the way to the end. So here's sort of what I'm looking to find out, and I think we probably will find out. One of two things are true: like he was sort of projecting a confidence to kind of get himself to believe that, um, and maybe things were pretty dire, or they weren't, and he was being honest, but something took a turn for the worse. Uh, hopefully in time we'll find out. The, the one clue here, I mean, this this death was a surprise, I think. I mean, we all knew he was very sick, and I think everybody in media was prepared for Toby's passing. I mean, when, when, when something like this happens, you kind of write the obituary ahead of time to make sure that it's done in good taste and you get all the details right, and... Because trying to write a long obituary under pressure is um, not a great recipe for success. So we had all that ready to go. But the, I know for a fact, and I can't say which show, but there was an appearance, he was, something he was supposed to be a part of earlier this year that, had, he, that he had to bow out of. Um, it was about two or three weeks ago, three weeks ago, I believe. And it wasn't made public. Uh, it was just a quiet little note that there was going to be a, a change in the lineup and Toby could no longer be there. And when I heard that, I thought to myself, oh... Well, that's interesting, but then literally didn't think anything about it until this morning when I woke yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, and then I like I think back too to like I recently had Jason Aldean in, and Jason Aldean was talking about how he played a show in Oklahoma, and and he brought Toby Keith out on stage, and you know everyone went nuts, um, and Toby was you know going to watch his kid play his grandson play football, and then came all the way over to the concert and. Went on stage, you know, and it, it, I, he did a great job of, I think, caring for his fans. Toby did by, you know, not even if he, if he did know by not revealing, you know, he, it's everybody is different, you know, and when you have cancer, you either, you either want to hide it from people or you want to talk about it. And I, I feel like maybe he did both. It shifted midway through, and that's a pretty good way of put it of putting it. He, like he was really good to his fans that he didn't sort of bring them through like the the lows of his tragedy during kind of a challenging time, I think, in like world life. Like we were at the back end of the COVID of COVID when he got diagnosed. Mm. And then coming out of that, like so he didn't pile his problems onto, and that's probably just not the kind of guy he is where he's going to share those kind of things. But then starting, I think like last summer, it really changed. He started to talk a little bit more. He um, did one interview and then we saw a couple of appearances and then he was partying with the Oklahoma women's softball team. And, um, and we started to see, okay. And then, then, you know, he shared that this after the people's choice awards and I was like, Oh, okay. Well, now it's, it's, he's about inspiring others who might be going through something similar. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and he still he always will, and, and you know he he'll continue his legacy. He'll continue to do that. And um, you know it's just it's crazy seeing all the people that he touched. You know all the country superstars that are were touched by his life, and uh, you know they're sharing their reactions. Jason Aldean, Luke Combs, Carrie Underwood. And there's going to be plenty more to come. Uh, I saw that Randy Hauser. Uh, I think Randy Hauser got up in the middle of the night and did like a tribute song to him. It's is that right? You, huh? That's interesting. I didn't see that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hauser had put something up. It looked to be about at four in the morning, uh, and he like was playing a song. Um, you know, it's just 
I don't know. I think we're all just trying to reel from the death. I mean, I don't know that there's been a death this big in country music in a while. There, you know, obviously Jimmy Buffett and stuff, but this one is really centered in on country. I mean, you think of like Loretta Lynn, but she was certainly advanced in years, so it wasn't too shocking. Um, you know, it, it's really interesting that Randy Hauser did that uh, for a few reasons. Toby, in addition to being a singer and a songwriter, he he owned his own record label for the better part of 15 years, Show Dog Records. Um, and his record label journey throughout his career is sort of a fascinating read for a different time. But um, he signed artists to that record label. And, and I think you have to sort of objectively say as a record label head, like he wasn't extremely successful. Most of the artists that he would sign didn't really produce very much, including in, in terms of radio success. Um, Trace Atkins is kind of an exception. He was signed to Toby's label for a while and had a few hits. Uh, Joe Nichols was on that label for a bit and didn't do too much. And Randy Hauser was as well. Randy, Randy released a really, really good album, but um, there was no radio success. And I had sort of asked Randy about that at some point. And he didn't want to talk about Toby Keith too much at the time. And I thought maybe there was an issue there. But, I mean, clearly there was some respect for, between Randy and Toby. I can see that. And you, you bring up Trace Atkins. Like, I, I always talk, thought of Toby Keith and Trace Atkins are kind of in the same boat as far as untouchable and, you know, they'll live forever and be Iron Men, you know? Yeah, because yeah, they're so strong. Um, yeah. The, the difference is, I think people kind of from the outside look at both of those guys and see like a really gruff exterior and maybe think they're not great conversationalists or a little bit tough to talk to. And, and I, I couldn't say anything but the opposite about Toby Keith. Like every time I've had a chance to talk to him, he's been um, really honest and open. Like my first interview with him, I remember he, he shared a story about um, someone on his crew that had uh, let something slip because they were on drugs or uh, uh, alcohol or something and they had to fire that guy. It was, it was kind of a really raw sort of behind the scenes story that you don't really hear f from artists. And then, um, I don't know, is this the, was that the only time you, you talked to Toby? No, so I talked to, talked to, that was my third time. So the, the first time was on the phone um, back in like 2015. And, excuse me, I remember that's when he told me the Solo Cup story about how they never uh, gave him any money and he doesn't even use them anymore. And then I talked to him again uh, in like 2020 during COVID. He was in Mexico. And I got to talk to him on the phone and we were talking about Mexican food and, you know, yeah, real open and honest and everything. And then this last time I talked to him, like the one thing I'll always remember is at the end of the conversation, like I had already kept him longer than I should. Right. And I'm trying to wrap it up. And obviously, if you listen to this whole podcast, you heard this part, but I'm trying to wrap it up. I'm like, all right, man. And he, he goes to comment on, because I was in my car when I interviewed him at my kid's preschool. He goes to comment about having a car seat in the back seat will get me laid if I drive around town with it. And I'm like, dude, uh, this is, I'm, I'm like talking to Elvis Presley of my time. And I'm, I'm trying to thank him first time and be so gracious. And he, he didn't want to hang up. He just wanted to joke around, you know. And that's the kind of Toby that I'll remember. Um, you know, memories like that, you know, and I didn't have too many with them, obviously, but, you know, that and, and the songs, obviously, every 4th of July, every September 11th, there's going to be those those Toby songs that are always going to pop up, you know, and 
Just crazy. Those songs are almost kind of unfortunate in the way that they color his personality uh, so much. You know, I'm kind of like you in that I have had a chance to spend a little bit of time with him, so I've kind of seen some nuances of his personality. But I'm well aware that there's groups of country fans or people outside of country who see Toby Keith in a totally different way and, and, and have a lot of issues with things he's done or said. I can't really pretend to understand that fully. Um, but like, like I remember, um, you know, wasn't like boot in your ass, like a whole deal. We'll put a boot in your ass. Yep. Yep. They, people thought that was, um, <laughs> racist or, um, and, and then the, the beer for my horses lyric about, um, Hanging criminals in the street, I think, has kind of come back around, which I haven't fully understood because it wasn't Toby that saying that it was Willie Nelson, and, and no one really ever gets mad at Willie Nelson for that. Um, but that's not to say there's not an argument there. But to to your point, I remember the first time I met, not the first time, but one of the times I, I met Toby. I always kind of was it was always interesting to me back when we had festivals. Like certain artists would do the jumbotron interview, and certain artists wouldn't. And I was in charge of those Jumbotron interviews, so it was always a big deal, like when the headliners did it, and some were really generous, and Toby was amongst that group, but he w- didn't want to come to the room. I had to go back to his bus, which was a little bit of a pain in the butt, but my gosh, he couldn't have been more open and honest. Like, he even, like, poured me a, like, he had, a, like, a big gallon of Jack Daniels, like, poured me a little drink, and I wasn't drinking at the time, for, but, I mean, how are you going to say no to a Jack and Coke from Toby Key? So I kind of <laughs> sipped that on the company time, but... um <laughs> he just yeah, seemed, he just seemed to like people he liked the deal he wasn't bitter about the music industry like you so often see from someone who's been around for for three decades yeah you're right and he was calling his own shots that's for sure for a long time you know here's their four singles work them you know he's he's been calling his shots for a long time and something tells me he'll keep calling his shots up there he'll be playing loud up there man and you know, we're going to miss Toby Keith. And, you, you know, thank you so much for listening to this interview and reliving hearing his voice again. And once again, you can go to tasteofcountry.com or on your free Taste of Country app and look back at Toby Keith over all the years and, you know, see all the current country artists that are, that are paying uh, respect to the legend lost, Toby Keith, who's gone at the age of 62.